Well, good morning, church. It is so good to be with you today on this very special day. Happy Mother's Day to all the ladies in the crowd today. We just want to say welcome to Abundant Life Church, and thanks for sharing this special day with us. Uh, I would love nothing more than to have you with us today in this room where we can worship together, and unfortunately, that can't happen, but we know the day is coming where that will happen, so we look forward to that. Um, I want to say thank you for joining us. John and I are praying for you. We miss you. We love you. We can't wait to worship together under one roof very, very soon, we believe. So um, what an honor it is today to share God's word with you. And I'm so excited about the message that God has put on my heart about encouragement. Today, I want to talk about someone in the scriptures who became great all because someone cheered him on in his life. You know, uh, I wanted to bring some pom-poms up with me today because I'm talking about being a cheerleader, but, but I thought it best not to because I might just get carried away and use them a little too much because I always wanted to be a cheerleader. I always did, but I never made the team. I tried out every single year, all through junior high school and high school, every single tryout. I was there. I I practiced my little heart out, and I never made the team. In eighth grade, I tried out, and I became the alternate. And what that means is, in the event that one of the cheerleaders would be unable to fulfill her duties as a cheerleader that year, I would then stand in and take her place. And so I was the runner up, but um, it never happened for me. That year, all the cheerleaders remained intact. So I never became a cheerleader. Um, But here's the thing. I was created to be a cheerleader. And so were you. You know, this ministry of encouragement that I want to talk about today, uh, it changes lives. And so if you're looking, you're shopping for a ministry today, I would just consider maybe signing up for this one because you will make a big impact if you do. So being an encourager is when we intentionally look to see something in a person and we pull that out. So we've all heard it said, it's easy to find the dirt in people, right? But to find the golden people, now that is going to take some work. If I'm going to find the gold in you, I'm going to, it's going to take some time. It's going to take some effort and it's going to take quite a bit of investment. You know, one of the precious moments that I have discovered through this time of quarantine and the stay-at-home order is I've been able to visit and text with a very sweet friend of mine. Her name is Johanna, and just about every single week, we're in contact with one another. Um, Johanna is very high risk, and so she stays at home. She's very wise to do that, and I've offered to come and, and bring her whatever she needs so she doesn't have to leave the house. And I have grown to look forward to the visits with Johanna. I go to her house. I knock on the door. She comes to the door, and it's a big glass door. She stays on one side. I stay on the other. And I'm going to tell you what. We have the best conversations. I love my conversations with Johanna because she is such an encourager. And every day as I go to leave, she says, Kristen, how can I pray for you? And each time I know that I'm going to, no matter what I say, she's going to have a word of encouragement for me. And 
when I walk away from my time with Johanna, it's almost like I want to skip to the car. I think one day I actually did. And I just feel filled up. I feel like she's filled my cup. I feel like she's made a difference in my life, and therefore I can make a difference in other people's lives. And I feel like I can change the world. Why? Because Johanna believes that I can. You know, we often think of encouragement as Maybe just saying something nice to someone or making them feel good about themselves, right? Well, encouragement is so much more than that. It's, it's not being fake or phony or, or just trying to make someone feel good, but it's genuinely seeing potential in a person and speaking that out in their lives. It's encouraging that gift of God that someone maybe can't even see for themselves, but you can see it so clearly and then calling that out in their lives. You know, when the Bible talks about encouragement, it it actually means that one is calling someone to their side. They're actually bringing them close to them. And I want us to get this picture. If you're going to encourage someone, you're bringing them close to you in order to teach them, to comfort them, to strengthen them, or to develop them. That's what encouragement is. You know, the word encouragement in the Hebrew Old Testament literally means to put courage into, to put courage into. I love that because in a world full of fear and turmoil and unrest and uncertainty, we need some courage. We can all use some courage and we can give the gift of hope. When we intentionally put courage into people, That's putting into them the hope that only Jesus Christ can bring. And that comes alive in their life. See, I truly believe that there's no greater time to show the love of Jesus than right now. See, we can instill the gift of hope in people by giving them a word of encouragement today. The Bible puts it like this. Nothing is more appealing than speaking beautiful, life-giving words. For they release sweetness to their souls and inner healing to our spirits. You know, a book I've recently been reading is is Everybody Always by Bob Goff. And this is a great book. And this guy, he, he keeps medals on hands and keeps them in his pocket. And he just hands them out randomly to people. And I just want to read a portion of the book. It's just so good. And where he's at is he's just been picked up from the airport by a limo. And somehow he convinces the limo driver to let him drive the limo to the hotel. And so I want to pick up reading there. He said... I opened the door and let my limo driver friend out of the back seat. He stood up, straightened his jacket, and I was still wearing his hat. I pinned a medal on his chest and said this, You're brave, you're courageous, you're foolhardy. Did you see how I took that last turn? I spoke words of truth and affirmation to him with a smile. I patted him on the chest, gave him a hug, and walked into the hotel. When the limo driver went home that night to the woman that he's been living with for the past 10 years— Do you think he told her he'd met a Christian guy that day who told him he was supposed to be married? Of course not. I bet he told her he'd met a guy who told him who he was. You see, that's our job. It's always been our job. We're supposed to love the people in front of us. We're the ones who will tell them who they are. And so let's tell the people who they're becoming and who we see them turning into and give people medals, lots and lots of medals. The people around us should be walking around like the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. They should jingle when they walk. (laughs) I, I love that. And so 
I love that visual because every time we encourage someone, it's like we're pinning an imaginary medal on their chest. I love it. You know, we've been hanging out in the book of John and absolutely been loving this last couple months of the study that John has us on. And I'd like for us just to hop on over to the Old Testament today, to the book of Judges. And this book of Judges, it covers about 300 years. It's known as the Dark Ages of Israel. And really, this time period could be summed up with the statement of this. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Now, Israel, just to give you a little bit of history, Israel was God's chosen people, and God had just rescued the children of Israel from Egypt, and Moses had taken them to the promised land. Now, Moses had died, and so Joshua now takes them into the promised land, and once Joshua dies, things go south pretty fast. As God's people, they were to live like God's people, but they didn't. And so now we see a cycle in the book of Judges where God's people sin, they follow other gods, their enemies oppress them, they cry out to the Lord, the Lord raises up a judge, a military or a civil leader to save them, and their hearts turn back to God where then there would be a time of peace, and then the judge would die and Israel would go back to sinning, and so the cycle would repeat itself. And so we see this cycle in our story today in Judges chapter 13 and verse 1, it's says, again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. So right now in our story, God's people are in one of the longest periods of oppression they've ever faced, 40 years under the Philistine rule. So our story begins today in a small town near Jerusalem, and we're going to be talking about Samson. Now, this is someone in the Bible that maybe you've heard of before. Maybe you're a little familiar with Samson. So let me just jog your memory a little bit. Maybe when I say the name Samson, you think of the scandalous love story between Samson and Delilah, right? Or maybe you think of the guy with the long Fabio hair. You know, he was a Nazarite, right? Or, or maybe you remember Samson as being the strongest man in the Bible. Remember, he tore apart a lion with his bare hands, okay? So Samson is a pretty big deal in the Bible. In fact, Samson is such a big deal, he even gets an honorable mention in the faith chapter, the great hall of faith chapter in Hebrews chapter 11, where he goes down in history with some of the all-time Bible big shots. So we're talking about Samson today, but in the story of Samson, Samson's mother typically isn't the most thought of character in the story, but today she's going to take center stage because it's Mother's Day. I want to talk to you about this nameless woman who's really only mentioned just a few times in scripture in really in seemingly insignificant ways But her words carry on and change history, not only for her son, Samson, but for the entire nation of Israel. I mean, this is some powerful encouragement. So we're going to start at the beginning before Samson is even conceived. And we're going to read Judges chapter 3 to 5. And the angel of the Lord appeared to her. This is Samson's mom. The angel appeared to her and said, you are barren and childless, but you're going to become pregnant and give birth to a son. Now see to it that you drink no wine or other fermented drink and that you do not eat anything unclean. You will become pregnant and you will have a son whose 
head is never to be touched with a razor because the boy is to be a Nazarite, dedicated to God from the womb. He will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. So hold up. Can you just imagine the excitement? I mean, first of all, an angel appears out of nowhere, right? I mean, this woman is barren. So we know from the culture of the times, to want a son, to, to have a son is all she ever wanted. I mean, she's prayed for this for her entire life for so long. And here it is. And so the woman runs to tell her husband. And, he, and she goes and tells him, hey, hey, sweetheart, we're going to have a baby boy. I mean, can you imagine his surprise? I mean, this is pretty big news, right? Almost too good to be true. So reading on to verse 8, it says, this is, this is the husband's prayer. Pardon your servant, Lord. It's almost like, um, Lord, excuse me. <laughs> excuse me, Lord. But I have some questions. I beg for you. He's not just asking. He's saying, I beg of you to let the man that you sent to come and tell us again, to teach us how to bring the boy up that you are to, that's to be born. He's saying, um, I have a whole lot of questions, and we don't know what to do. I'm going to need some answers here. I'm going to need some help. So first-time parents, we can so relate to this, right? I mean, we just would give anything to have some instructions. I know Claire was our firstborn, and uh, we were pretty clueless. I remember taking her home from the hospital, and the nurse was giving me all the instructions, and I was trying to download it and keep it all in and overwhelmed at all the same time. I was bathing her and getting her dressed. Meanwhile, the nurse is telling me everything what I have to do to take care of her. And I think, uh, my word, I, how am I going to remember all of this? So as I dressed Claire that day, I put on her diaper, and, and then we had these cute little socks we put on her, and then I put her in a onesie, and then we had this little snap-up outfit that with little ruffles on her buns. It was just this cutest little thing. And my mom had made us a crocheted outfit a crocheted sweater set with a matching bonnet and booties. And so I put the little booties on. They're yarn. They're warm. She's not going to get cold in these. Then I put the little sweater on her. And, of course, the matching knit bonnet we put on her and, and tied it. It was all white. It was gorgeous with um, little little silk bows. And then we wrapped her in a receiving blanket like a burrito, you know, like they tell you to do. And then after that, we covered her with an afghan. <laughs> so she was snug as a bug in a rug. She was She was warm. And so we put her in the car seat, and that's all fine and great, but Claire was born in August. And it was well over 100 degrees that day. It was high humidity. And you know what? We just didn't know. We didn't want her to get cold, right? <laughs> so we took her home. We drove straight to Grandma Miller's house where Grandma Miller had home-cooked food for us, rice and meatballs. And it was delicious. But the minute we walked into the house, Grandma took the baby, of course. And I remember she said to me, Oh, dear. <laughs> and she took her out and she started to slowly unwrap Claire and very kindly let me know. Um, she was a little overdressed for the weather. So, you know what? We didn't know. Claire is fine today. She's absolutely fine. She survived. But, you know, don't we wish they came with instructions? Well, in this particular case, the angel of the Lord shows up not once, but twice to give some pretty specific instructions the angel is saying, hey, your child is going to be set apart for purpose. He will begin the deliverance of the Israelites from the hands of the Philistines. Now, 
Here's your instructions, and I want you to follow them because I'm going to need your cooperation. I'm going to need your participation. I'm going to need your help in fulfilling what he's called to do, his destiny. You know, the mothers in Israel have always been held responsible for the faith of their children. Israelite boys spent the first seven years with the women of the household, learning most of the things that they know from their mothers. It only was after that that they were allowed even to go and be with the men. So fast forward to verse 24, and it says this, the woman gave birth to a boy named, and named him Samson, and he grew, and the Lord blessed him, and the spirit of the Lord began to stir him. So what's happening here? What's this saying? What was instilled in him as he grew, the very things that were instilled in him from his mother were now being stirred within him. The graces and the gifts that would be necessary to accomplish the work that he was created to do are now deep inside of him. And God is starting to stir those things up and bring them up in order that he will do great things. You know, those inner rumbling began in him. You, you know what that feels like, that inner rumbling, when God starts stirring something in you. And those inner rumblings stirred within Samson. And I have no doubt that his mom took every opportunity to speak encouragement to her son of what those inner rumblings were about to do. I mean, can you just imagine her sitting little Samson down on her lap and, and telling him the whole story, telling him how the angel came to announce his coming and what a surprise that was. I mean, he was set apart from birth and chosen. I mean, she'd have to remind him of the Nazarite vow throughout his life. And, and she would want to tell him repeatedly, you have a calling and that's to deliver the children of Israel from the hands of the Philistine. I mean, she wouldn't leave out a single detail in true mom fashion, right? She'd raise him, reminding him often of God's plan that he was chosen to rescue God's people. I mean, she'd raise him to know God's will for his life, that he would believe in God, that he would trust in God, and that he would follow God. And she'd mother him with these words of encouragement. She would remind him of all of these things. She would speak these very words so often that he would never forget them. And the Bible says that he grew and the Lord blessed him. You know, what I found in my own life is when these stirrings of God come to me, these rumblings deep down inside of me that I know God is at work, so many times it's confirmed or encouraged by those that I've surrounded myself with. You know, my mom was, she's been gone now for five years and I was able to speak with her on a Thursday. She died very unexpectedly two days later on a Saturday and I don't even remember, remember the context of what we were talking about, but I remember her words and they stuck. And she said, Chrissy, I know you can do it. I know you can do it. And I've thought many times about those words. I can almost hear her voice saying them again to me. I know you can do it. Because you know what? Who is that person who reaches down and tells you, you know what? I know you can do it. I know you can do it because whoever you surround yourself with, that's whose voice you're going to hear when those rumblings start to, to start to happen. Who's that that pulls that gift of God, that recognizes the gift of God deep down that God has put in you himself that can speak to that and say, hey, you got this. 
I know you can do it. Because whoever you put yourself around the most, they're going to stir your spirits and they will have an effect on your inner voice that you hear and most importantly, what you believe. See, if you'd continue to read on in the story of Samson, you would know that he is the Old Testament prodigal son. We know he falls short in many ways. He, he marries a Philistine woman. I mean, he marries the enemy. He sleeps with a prostitute. He falls in love with Delilah. And we know that that's not the best choice. It would be his downfall. And on top of that, he breaks the Nazarite vow. But here's the thing. God still had a plan. And his, the plan and the purpose remained on Samson's life, no matter how bad he thought he messed it up. You know, one of my favorite quotes is this, is if you think you've blown God's plan for your life, rest in this. You are not that powerful. (laughs) Isn't that encouraging today? So if we fast forward then to chapter 16 in the book of Judges, Samson now has been betrayed. He's been captured. He's been blinded by the Philistine army. He's taken prisoner. And now he's being paraded around the Philistines in the temple courts. There's about 3,000 people present. You know, I can only imagine the conversations that are going on inside of his head right now. I'm sure he's, he's remembering all the words his mom spoke over him, thinking, wow, is that true? Is that, that stirring? Is that, is that still there? The declarations she made over him, the plans and the purposes that she repeated him so often in his ears that he could now repeat word for word himself. And in his final moments, Samson is about to remember who he was and what he was born to do. He was born to deliver Israel from the hands of the Philistines. He remembers the stories his mom told him over and over again. I mean, if this were a movie, you can just imagine it. Her her voice whispering in his ears right now saying, you were created for this. You were created for destiny and purpose. God has called you. He's chosen you to rescue his people. Know who you are, Samson, and walk in it. Judges chapter 16, verse 28, it says, Then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me again. Oh God, please strengthen me just one more time. Then Samson put his hands on the two center pillars and he, that held up the temple, and he pushed against his, with both hands, with all his might, and he prayed, let me die with the Philistines. And the temple crashed down on the Philistine rulers and all the people. Wow, what a story. So did Samson finish the work of God that he had called him to do? He sure did. He absolutely did. He, in fact, in this final act of courage, he began the deliverance of the Israelites from the hands of the Philistines. This is a work then that Samuel and David would one day complete. Was he perfect at it? He wasn't. But this should certainly encourage every single one of us today because in spite of our bad choices, in spite of our mistakes, in in spite of really our stupidity many times, did God still use Samson in a mighty way? He sure did. What I want you to get here is Samson's mom encouraged her son. And because she did, and because she saw destiny in him, he was able to fulfill his destiny. Samson's mom spent her days living out 
her purposes by reminding Samson of his purpose. Are you spending your life trying to discover your purpose? Or are you trying to help others discover their purpose? You know, many times when you do the latter, you will find the former. A lot of times they go hand in hand. You know, encouragement is so necessary. Guys, this one we got to get right. We got to get this one right. I hear it all the time. That's just not me. I'm just not good at that. Well, I say to you, make it you. Get good at it. We can't afford to not be good at this. See, we have a choice to make. We can either be the voice that builds up or we can be the voice that tears down. You can choose to be that gentle answer that turns away wrath or that harsh word that stirs up anger. You can say words that are sweet to the soul and healing to the bones, or you can use your words as destructive and make a heart sick and crush spirits. Really, the choice is yours. So how do I get good at this? How do I get good at giving an encouraging word? Well, if you think an encouraging word, you say it. You say it. If you're in the store and someone's doing a great job, tell them, hey, you're, you're, you're the best cashier I've ever had. You're doing a great job. Keep it up. Or, wow, you look great today. I really, I really love your outfit. I love your style. It's so creative. Or, or maybe it's just that, hey, I see what you did over there. You did a really good job. I see that. Keep it up. Oh, boy, I see greatness in you. I think you're amazing at that. You, sh- you have a gift, and that's how you encourage. It's, it's being the voice that sounds a lot like Jesus. And it doesn't mean you compromise the truth. It means you say the truth, and you say it in love. You find what they're good at, and you pull that out. The Bible says that life and death are in the power of the tongue, and we will reap the consequences of it. I'm going to tell you what, choosing to be an encourager takes some maturity. It really does. You know, I've come to find out about myself that if I'm in a position where I have trouble encouraging someone, then there's a problem. And that problem is me. That problem is in me. Usually it means I have something that's unchecked going on in my life. It might be that I'm insecure. It might be that I'm jealous or selfish or prideful, or maybe I'm just in a really bad mood and I don't want to. But I have to own those things, and I have to fix those things, and I have to work on myself so I can be an encourager. See, I'm going to give you a little bit of a tip here. What works for me is the more I feel that check in my spirit, the more I feel those ugly, yucky feelings rise up in me, I've made up my mind, the more I feel that, the more I'm going to encourage that person I feel that toward. See, I want to defeat anything in my life. I want to defeat anything in my life that would ever hold me back from encouraging someone in their gift that God has placed them in. I want to just say, you know what? I don't want a part of that. I want to be able to be responsible for, for, for reaching destiny in someone's life and speaking life into their life so they can reach all God has for them. That's my role. That's my responsibility. Because just like Samson, those words that his mom spoke on his life, they possibly could have been the very words that changed history. So we don't need to compete with one another. We don't need to be threatened or, or worried that someone might be, get too big for their britches. You know what? God will take care of that. God will take care of all of that. 
but I want to be able to celebrate and encourage the gift of God in someone else's life. And I want to be a cheerleader for them and cheer them on. You know, our culture isn't great at this. A couple years ago, we brought in a speaker for a conference, and she's just one of my heroes in life. And, and I just was telling her, wow, I just think you're amazing. I think you're great. And she said, wow, it's really good to hear. And I said, well, I'm sure you hear that all the time. And she said, no, actually, actually I don't. So it's really nice to hear. Wow. Guys, we need this encouragement. You know, when we're encouraging, we're choosing to be unselfish. We're choosing to be mature. And we're choosing to speak life to someone. You know, the thing that people will remember about you and remember about me is how we made them feel. They won't remember what we said. They won't remember what we did. But they will remember how we made them feel. Did they care about me? Did they invest in me? Did they encourage me? It's a big deal. And this is one I want to get better at. You know, you might say, well, Kristen, you know, this just doesn't sound very spiritual today. And I just want to say, on the contrary, see, I will encourage more people into the kingdom than I ever will preach them into the kingdom. This is a big deal. We've got to get this one right. It's choosing to intentionally look at someone and say, legit, you have something special. I see it. I see it. I see the hand of God on you. I see something special in you. And God has purpose in you. You know, you might not even see it yourself, but I see it. It's there. And I want to help get that out of you and put that into um, God's hands. God promises that he has a hope for you and a future for you. And if we tell these people, wow, does that ever stir something up in them? See, if we want to get the best out of a person, we must look for the best in the person. One day, an old man was walking along the beach, and it was littered with thousands of starfish that had been washed ashore by the high tide. As he walked, he came upon a young boy who was eagerly throwing the starfish back into the ocean one by one. And puzzled, the man looked at the boy and asked him, Son, what are you doing? Without even looking up from the task, the boy replied simply, I'm saving these starfish, sir. The man chuckled aloud. He said, son, there are thousands of starfish and only one of you. What difference can you possibly make? And the boy picked up a starfish and and gently tossed it into the water. And turning to the man, he said, well, I made a difference to that one. Do you want to be a difference maker today? Be an encourager. Sign up for the cheerleading team. You want to make a difference today? Become an encourager to someone. See, you and I will never be able to save all the starfish on the beach. But I can start right where I'm at, and I can start making a difference one by one in my life. For me, that's, that's encouraging those who are closest to me. My husband, he's, he's a rock star. I'm so glad I get to be his wife, and I want to encourage that in him. For my three plus one children that God has placed in our family, I want to encourage the snot out of them. I want to see the gift of God in their life, and I want to call that out that is so uniquely evident in each one of them. I could not be more proud of each one of them, and that's my job, to encourage them and keep cheering them on. For those that God has put in my circle, I can encourage them. 
I can put courage into them in Jesus' name. And I can call out the gift of God I see in their life. And then lastly, I can pray that God would make me sensitive to the people around me, that maybe I only have a one-on-one contact for a brief moment. But I can say, Lord, make me sensitive to see what it is they need right now. I can put an invisible imaginary medal on their chest, and I can give them life by speaking some encouragement. You know, I found that one of the most refreshing things to give people during this time of crisis and and really any time is this gift of encouragement we're talking about. A simple word of encouragement can pick someone up and breathe new life into their lungs. It can stir up that something that's maybe so hidden and so deep inside of them and make a difference. We can give the gift of hope when we give encouragement. So I want to ask you today, who are your starfish that are closest to you right now? Who do you need to pick up and just maybe speak some life to? You know, we have this gift we've given to the moms this week. If you haven't gotten yours, I think there's a few left. It's a little keychain with a starfish on it to just just remember, you know what? You can make a difference. You can make a difference just by simply speaking a word of kindness and encouragement to someone. You know, the Bible says that our kindness will lead them to repentance. It's a little gift from us to you. And just to remind you, hey, you're a cheerleader. Let's stir that up in one another. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We reverently come and we say thank you for the gift of encouragement, Lord, that has touched so many of our lives. Lord, I pray that just like Samson in Samson's time, Lord, we still are desperate for warriors and rescuers and deliverers, Lord, in Jesus' name. So I pray for spiritual mothers and spiritual fathers that they would rise up and come alongside of those and and pull some gifts of God out of people. Speak encouragement, Lord. Help us to do that. Help us to get better at this. In Jesus' name we pray. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Thank you for encouraging our souls today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I want to tell you, let me be the first to congratulate you. You've made the cheer team. (laughs) So I want to say, you know what? Be a cheerleader for Jesus. Be a cheerleader and offer the gift of life by speaking words of encouragement. Will you? In Jesus' name. We'll see you next week.